Hello! My name is Christina, and thank you for checking in to the Humphrey Riddle Seas. This is a podcast where I guess and I talk about our original characters. The good, the bad, and the self-inserts. And today, guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is uh, Jolene, or Joe. Uh, I go by she, her pronouns. And um, I am here to talk about my character, uh, Hannah Shiragane, a.k.a. Contract Advisor Wyvern. Excellent. So for those of you uh, who have not listened to the previous episodes of Contract Writers, I feel like we should give a little a, a little summary on uh, the Contract Writers and previous episodes. Or who's been on previous episodes. Previously on Contract Writers. <laughs> Contract Writers is a uh, tabletop RPG... Uh, based on the Carmen Rider series. It's essentially a live-action superhero mm-hmm. TV show. The closest equivalent is Power Rangers, because that is literally adapted from the Japanese show Super Sentai. Uh, it's been running on and off since uh, 1971, and each yearly series is basically independent in terms of... Continuity. Continuity. But commonly, it's always about a transforming superhero or superheroes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. often with uh, insect motifs, particularly in the uh, in the earlier Showa era. Mm-hmm. There were there were re- recurring themes of the burden of heroism, the idea yeah. of making sacrifices so other people don't have to, mm-hmm. and particularly commonly is a. Uh, Heroes who take their powers from the same source as their um, their foes, and that kind of set the tone <laughs> going forwards, if you will. Yeah, and I can I can see how some of those influences were become present in contract writers. <laughs> yeah, so contract writers, in terms of tone, we were particularly inspired by uh, either twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen show Carmen Rider Build, mm-hmm. which went for a sort of similar high high concept premise to us, but yeah. The but some of the backstory and lore elements that we used were uh, drawn from two of the most uh, famous and popular iterations, 1987's Kamen Rider Black and the okay. year 2000 Kamen Rider Cougar. So, Contract Riders, it's um, set in a, a domed city in the yes. year 2200. The... In what used to be Australia, right? Yes. The city of Elysium, the last refuge of humanity on Earth after a climate apocalypse. Yep! (laughs) The city is essentially powered, in particular the dome that covers it is manifested through these Mm -hmm. mysterious gemstones called uh, K-stones or Mm -hmm. Mm Kingstones. They've got all kinds of strange properties, but for whatever reason... The city is also menaced by these monsters called geisters that manifest from human thoughts and fears and anxieties. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, mm-hmm. standing up to them are the contract riders, who are heroes for hire, essentially. Mm-hmm. They've been described as a cross between firefighters and wrestlers. <laughs> like they, like they, they do an important public service, but they've also all got their own gimmicks and colourful costumes. That's That's very accurate. <laughs> And they're either contracted to corporations or they work for an Uber Eats type service called Mm -hmm. Kik, spelled K-Y-C-K. Yeah, on a more kind of a freelance basis. Yeah, and they all 
in their own way use uh, these K-stones to transform into their rider forms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's three types of rider. Robo-riders who use like mechanical exoskeletons that mm-hmm. interface with like cybernetic hardpoints on their body. Yeah, yeah. And they use like a K-stone dust as part of the interface. There's mm-hmm. bio-riders who have like um, artificial organs implanted into their body that then can then be catalyzed and turn them into riders using animal or plant DNA. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And maho-riders who are... Despite the the name, they're not actually magical, uh, maho <laughs> being the uh, Japanese word for magic, but they are essentially um, hard light hologram suits. Yeah, yeah. Those tend to be the most uh, prestigious and um, desirable types of riders, mostly mm-hmm. because you don't have to get anything implanted in your body to use it. Yes, <laughs> and probably also because it takes maybe the most finances to create a maho rider. <laughs> They all have, like, large cut uh, K-stone gems in their belts and such that allow them to mm-hmm. transform. As seen with Papillon and Lux. Mm-hmm. Go check the Wayward Archives if you want to hear more about them. <laughs> and uh, and Wyvern and Dolman are both bio-riders, right? Yes. Dolman being a subset of a bio-rider called a fossilizer. Mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. a name taken from uh, a recent Transformers toy line. Nice. The more you know. <laughs> and yes, Java is a robo-rider who built all of their gear themselves because cause that's the sort of person they are. They're just un- <laughs> unstoppably creative. And I don't think they would have been satisfied with using an off-the-shelf system, <laughs> as it were. Hipster in the best of ways. Hipster in the way that makes sure that they are not beholden to a corporation. Not so much a hipster, I think, as like an auteur. Ah, ah, okay. I do have the auteur's respect for Java. <laughs> so, for those of you who have not listened to the previous Contract Writers episodes, which I do highly recommend because they're a lot of fun, the other contract writers uh, that have been on the show previously uh, are Contract Writer Looks. Our Lux, uh, Roger Chalmay, who was played by Brendan, and is a very fancy boy with a lot of mommy issues. Yep. <laughs> and uh, contract writer Papillon, Marielle Posada, uh, played by Umar, who who is a streamer, essentially, and has some issues with self-confidence, yes. uh, but overcomes them. And then contract writer Java... Parker, I forget their last name. Parker Prophet. Parker Prophet, thank you. Uh, played by Sarah, as as Jolene said, is the, possibly the most independent of the contract writers. Uh, and Parker Parker is the main character of contract writers. Like yes, <laughs> we, they have the um the most protagonist energy out of any of them. Yes, yes, and uh, Parker loves them some coffee. Yes, and then. Uh, contract writer Dolman, uh, Sean Irons, played by Sam. He's 28, but he has the soul of a 50-year-old man. Yes, yes, who is who is just very, very tired and uh, has the most dad energy out of the contract writers and, you know, <laughs> midlife crisis at 28. He's a divorced dad and he's going to take us to Funland. <laughs> and filling out the roster, uh, last but certainly not least, we have Hannah. 
Do you want to talk about um, how you came up with Hannah as a character or just jump right into the character biography? Well, I'd like to like explain who she is as a character and then okay. d- describe her influences and then like go back to the events of the campaign, if that's all right. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. All right. Hannah is, as I mentioned, a bio-writer. So she never actually wanted to be a contract writer. And indeed, she, she didn't really think sh- she could be. Because she has a chronic illness, a form of uh, muscular dystrophy, which I never specified which sort, because I I don't really know enough to do so. But essentially she's got a degenerative uh, muscular disorder. Mm -hmm. That means she got chronic pain and exhaustion. She finds it hard to uh, do like lots of intense physical activity. So obviously... Uh Being a contract rider, a uh, a firefighter, wrestler, superhero, never yeah. really on the table for her. Yeah. I didn't really delve into her backstory so much, but it was implied at times that she grew up quite poor. Mm-hmm. She wanted to be an an artist, I think, but her disorder Aww. like got in the way of that. Yeah. So understandably, she's grumpy and short-tempered and bad with people. Yeah. She's got she's got a very deadpan and sardonic sense of humour. Yeah. Big on the black comedy too. Uh, <laughs> some people make jokes about the terrible life situation to cope. Yeah, yeah. But this all changed essentially because she was uh, struggling with uh, debt from her inability to work and her various medical needs. Mm-hmm. Hey listeners, destroy the medical insurance system. Yes, exactly. Thank you. She was approached by a man named Dr. Robert Stanford, a.k.a. Dr. Bob. This isn't an affectionate <laughs> nickname. Nobody likes him. Ah. Uh. He is the worst guy you know. So he offered her a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Yeah. Possibly literally once-in-a-lifetime, because I'm not sure she would have lived much longer. Oh, yeah. But he offered her an opportunity. She would be a, a test subject for a modified version of, like, the cheapest and most common form of bio-rider belt, the gene driver, that it hasn't been tested on anybody with medical conditions like hers. Oh, no. Nobody's sure what would happen. Well, she essentially didn't have any other options. Yeah. So here we see that Dr. Bob is not perhaps the the most (laughs) concerned with medical ethics. Yeah. Yeah, like, his doctorate isn't in ethics for certain. <laughs> yeah. So, Wyvern is a bio-rider who uses bat DNA. Yes. Why bats? Essentially, I like bats, and I think they're cool. Excellent choice. But also, there's a sort of, like, recurring motif in Carmen Rider of the three most common sorts of motifs for monsters. Uh-huh. Are bats spiders and cobras okay part of like my thinking was to sort of imply she is the most monstrous of the cast yeah which you know no shade on her yeah but she's got some uh some real anger issues understandable her battle tactics tend to be stab it until it dies yeah <laughs> she's um strong and fast but she's quite fragile like she gets injured quite easily Mm-hmm. She's armed with a sonic scream, her mouth crusher thing opens up, and she just sends out this sonic pulse that can be debilitating to anyone around. 
I gotta ask, does it also serve as echolocation? Uh, the scream is a bit too powerful, essentially, to be used for that, but she can okay. echolocate, and she does actually have, like, enhanced hearing, even in her human form. Oh, okay. Most bioriders have, like, a sort of lingering knock-on effects when they're not transformed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's also armed with a set of what I call wing sabers, another Transformers joke, on her <laughs> arms. They're three blades that sort of open up into wing-shaped stabbing apparatus. Okay, okay. That she uses to destroy Geister's... Let, we'll, call, we'll call it efficiently. <laughs> yep. So she, she's, she's got a bit of a uh, reputation for being quite scary. <laughs> but I would say that perhaps her biggest advantage in combat is she's really, really stubborn and she will keep yeah. fighting until she physically can't anymore. Yeah. Not to jump ahead, but there was an, an uh, quite an early on fight where we described Hannah essentially pushing through several like safety cutouts on her belt where she should have detransformed. Oh, Hannah. But so angry and stubborn that she just refused to do so. Yeah. And obviously this is quite taxing on her. Yeah, I can see why. <laughs> And she has to rely on her neighbour, uh, Maya, who is a nurse and perhaps her only friend, Aww. to keep her alive. Which, it's uh, quite tricky because Maya doesn't know that Hannah is a rider, at least at first. Really? Yeah, she wouldn't approve as a medical professional. Ah. And so Hannah keeps walking into her apartment covered in blood and bruises and says, <laughs> I got hit by a bike. Oh, Hannah, I tripped down the stairs. Yep. So that's uh, Hannah in terms of the, the high concept of the character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, where she's coming from. So a lot of that was inspired by... Mm-hmm. So what I was uh, taking influence from in Kamen Rider terms was yeah. uh, the Showa era, the uh, pre-1990s series. Mm-hmm. So she's only got one form in contrast to the other contract riders on the main team. Like, Parker has their espresso, cappuccino, frappuccino, mocha forms. Yeah. Dolman has his cast sh strata and shale strata. And obviously, Papillon has her um, seven different <laughs> colourful forms. Yes. But uh, Hannah only has the one. The other angle that I was coming up from is that, it's particularly in the, the 1971 Carmen Rider series... There was um, this recurring idea of Takeshi Hongo, the titular Kamen Rider, mm -hmm. being essentially separated from humanity by what had been done to him. Yeah. And like this recurring idea of, oh, this love is not for Kamen Rider. He cannot be with the people of humanity anymore. Yeah. The isolation. Yeah, that sense of that sort of isolation is what I wanted to tap into. But also you sometimes get like the impression that that's maybe a bit self-inflicted, that Hongo believes he has to be apart oh, from no. humanity, and that he essentially self-isolates because of it, and it becomes this self-reinforcing spiral. So that's yeah, uh, that's yeah. also something I wanted to explore with Hannah, essentially. Mm -hmm. What if it's you just making your problems worse? Yeah. So isolation, that was a big thing. Um, pain and the management thereof also came into it in a big way. Yeah. 
because, and I know this is also kind of jumping ahead a bit, but is one of the side effects of being a bio writer, like, does that help with managing her medical condition with her muscular dystrophy? Yes, yes. That was part of why Dr. Bohm offered it to her in the first place. Mm -hmm. He theorized that it could help. And it does in like a a weird way, like, because when you look at Hannah, I would describe her as three apples tall and made of twigs. Oh, Hannah! She is tiny, skinny, looks pretty malnourished, bad hair, and wearing a jacket that's two sizes too large, so she looks like a teenager wearing her dad's clothes. Oh, Hannah. Yeah. So she's still, like, physically quite frail, you'd say, but but she can, like, exert a surprising amount of pressure, as it were. Mm-hmm. If I were in contract with I would just been like, hello, I am protecting all of you, and I'd try to, I'd try to give everyone a big hug. But Sean probably yeah. wouldn't fit because he big. Yes. The contract writer is about people who are suffering. Much like Carmen Writer, really. <laughs> so this Shoah influence, it also sort of made Hannah an interesting parallel to a character called uh, Suyoshi Hitamonji, who is, he is the common writer. C-O-M-M-O-N. Mm-hmm. He's essentially, what if the original Carmen Writer went bad? Yeah, and bad here is loosely used. <laughs> y- yeah, he's, um, we'll call him misguided. Uh, yeah. And in, p- in particular, he's driven by his mentor's dying words that human life is more important than even peace and justice, which is a quote from the original Carmen Rider show. Okay, okay. Hitamonji essentially interpreted that as it doesn't matter how horrible or unjust it is, if it's in the name of this grand scheme of getting humanity to survive, mm-hmm. then it's all Gucci. <laughs> yeah. Which I don't think is quite what his mentor meant, but... Yeah. <laughs> you can't give guidance from beyond the grave, usually. Yeah. And then the last idea that I wanted to explore with Hannah was that she like struggles quite a lot with empathy and essentially understanding why other people act the way they do. And... Mm-hmm. and that coupled with her whole self-destructive behaviour thing, that came from quite a personal place for me, because that's something that I have had had trouble with in the past, and the present, in fact. Hey, self-improvement, as much as we all would love it to be, is not, in fact, a series of easy things you can mark off a checklist. Yeah, not necessarily a straight line. Yeah, it is literally a journey. And it is something that everyone has to work on at their own pace and keep going. Yeah. Also love therapy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sorry, anyway. <laughs> I guess the last thing to talk about her in terms of influences would be her mm-hmm. her rider design, which was yes. inspired by specifically a rider from the show Carmen Rider Agito called Gills. He's got a similar sort of like a bit monstrous vibes to Hannah, and he does a similar thing where he screams and his helmet like opens up into this big fanged moor. Okay, okay. It's very cool. I haven't actually seen Agito, but I have seen many a YouTube clip. <laughs> yes. And the other big influence that was um, the characters from a show called Carmen Rider Amazons, which was an Amazon Prime web exclusive. Really? Yes. And hmm. it was a essentially a reboot of the Showa-era show, Kamen Rider Amazon Singular. 
and that had some elements that uh, played into the uh, sort of like neo showa design ethos where it was inspired mm-hmm. by those older shows but maybe a bit more complex and visually yeah. interesting and also Amazon's had heavy biotech and body horror themes which played a lot into elements of Hannah's design particularly her belt like I said the gene driver is a very off the shelf thing so it's kind of this ugly kludge of technology in contrast to other characters who have their specially constructed <laughs> fancy belts. Yeah, yeah. Alright, so now that we've kind of got like the groundwork set for Hannah, would you like to talk about her journey within the context of contract writers? Yes, I'd love to. So following the initial like sort of big fight to get mm-hmm. everyone introduced. Yeah. I would say Hannah's story really begins when she ran into a um, parahuman being coerced into spending inordinate amount of money he didn't have for, like, medical treatments. Now, parahumans yeah. are, like, the sort of greater category of what contract riders are. They are modified humans. Or kaizo ningen, mm-hmm. to use the Japanese. Yeah. Was this Tyler, Tyler, Tyler? Oh, no, no, no. This was someone completely different. This was a, like, he was a, a factory worker. Okay, okay. Who had these, like, mechanical augmentations, and he needed this special, like, essentially this special gel to keep his prosthetic arms in good working order. Okay. But because of the way that society works, he was essentially left without, because the company that made the this gel just stopped producing it, and mm-hmm. he was forced into, like, getting it under the table from people with dubious supply chains and and dubious quality of supply i'm assuming (laughs) yes and hannah accidentally uh in a classic case of mistaken motivation hannah ran into this guy trying to Mm -hmm. get the guy who was coercing him into paying more than the agreed amount for this um... extorting him yes that's that's the one thank you hannah like threw herself into there and the extortionist got away Mm-hmm. But after she realised, oh, I kind of messed up here, Hannah essentially said, look, meet me back here in a week. I'm going to try and find a way to get you some more of this. Because Hannah is a, a very cynical person, but she's also sort of uh, got a chronic hero syndrome, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> in addition to all her other chronic syndromes. <laughs> yeah, but her pursuit of this brings her to a warehouse that happens to be being patrolled by a security guard, one mm-hmm. Sean Irons. Yep, yep. And the fight, uh, Game Master Jack, he's he just described that fight as like the moment that I knew that this campaign was going to work. <laughs> it was pretty brutal. Yeah. They were just. This was the aforementioned fight where uh, Hannah pushed past multiple safeties. Mm-hmm. Dolman essentially won, but he was not in a good way afterwards. And yeah. After, like, finally knocking Hannah out of her transformation and telling her, look, I don't think you would have got yourself almost killed if you didn't have an actual reason to, Mm -hmm. he manages to get Hannah to tell him what the deal is. Yeah. And his response is, right, that sounds about (laughs) right, actually. Because Sean, despite being a corporate employee, he's no stranger to how the world works. So yeah, he, yeah. he decides to just let Hannah get away and say, mm-hmm. oh yeah, it, it, I, I was attacked by a contract rider, but you know me, I don't pay attention to who the other riders are, so I've got no idea who it was. <laughs> Excellent, Sean. 
Yeah. And then upon getting away with the the good stuff, Hannah then mm-hmm. passed out three feet outside her apartment, leaving Maya to find her and clean her up. And yeah. also to, when she woke up, Maya was like standing over her, holding her transformation belt going, Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> What's all this about then? <laughs> Yeah, Maya was not happy and said, as a medical professional, (coughs) I cannot sanction your buffoonery. (laughs) But Hannah, being stubborn as ever, kind of brushed her off and just said, yeah, well, a lot of medical professionals wouldn't sanction what I've been doing. To which Maya responded with, yeah, yes, yes, that's my point. (laughs) Yeah. But still, she managed to uh, get the gel to the guy that she had promised to help. Yeah. And thus, and a, a little quest mark came up over her head and said, quest complete. <laughs> Sometime after that, and after being accosted by a fancy boy who was ranting at her about, oh, you're going to turn into a bat, after telling her that there was a geister that sh- she was needed to fight. Yeah. Listen to episode yeah. 69 if you want to hear more about what that was. Nice. Nice. Then the man she had helped came back to her and said mm-hmm. to tell her, I need your help again. They're going to kill Ringo. Now, Ringo, the lone mm-hmm. rider, mm-hmm. is a, a scorpion-themed cowboy who used to be like a respected contract rider until he yeah. went rogue and became a vigilante. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this guy that Hannah had helped had got word that he was still alive, despite what many believed, and that mm-hmm. there were some people trying to kill him. People in the sense of the other contract writer main characters, or was that like Golgum? Well, it was specifically Roger who had been tasked with dealing mm-hmm. with the problem. Manipulated into dealing with the problem. <laughs> yes, by Mummy Dearest. Mm-hmm. Hannah went down into the tunnels where she discovered Ringo essentially trying to set up bombs that would bring down the dome and kill everyone in the city. Mm-hmm. This became in a, a sort of multi-way face-off because Parker was also there and then Lux showed up and decided, well, if, if I kill Ringo, then the problem will go away, despite the fact that that's, that's not how bombs work, that they were on a timer and they were... Yeah. Priority was presumably stopping things from blowing up rather than killing Ringo. Hannah and Parker eventually had to, like, leave Lux and Fleur, who also showed up, Fleur being Marianne, Roger's mother, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. had to abandon them with an injured Ringo to get these bombs out of the tunnels. And yeah. when she returned, there was nothing there except a puddle of blood on the floor, leading her <laughs> to the conclusion that, oh, okay, Lux just killed this guy. Yeah. Which, not entirely true, but also not an unreasonable conclusion. Yeah. I'm going to draw a comparison here because I was watching a, a Let's Play of Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, and it's kind of like Terra killed Master Ericus, but it was Xehanort who manipulated him into it, so really it's Xehanort's fault and he was an accessory. Yeah. Again, it, it it's, it's very similar in that, like, Terra was the one who defeated Ericus, but Xehanort struck the killing blow. Mm-hmm. So, very mm-hmm. comparable, I would say. <laughs> Contract Riders is just an elaborate birth by sleep, AU. Because <laughs> we'd be drawing everyone with keyblades after we got off yes, the call. Li- listen to the Parker episode for more on that. <laughs> yes, so in the aftermath of this, Soleil d'Or, the corporation that 
Marianne and Roger worked for hosted this big riders' ball. Yes. To uh, celebrate the defeat of the vigilante Ringo. Mm hmm. Very dystopian. Because that's where she gave Roger the bum upgrade, right? Yes. Hannah is forced to attend by Maya, who says, Look, you need to get out of the house and actually do something. <laughs> you will socialize and you will like it. <laughs> yep. And while she's there, she meets a, a very lovely and very tall gentleman called uh, <laughs> Douglas Abbe, who. Oh, yeah. Also known as Contract Rider Omega. And that's Omega mm-hmm. spelled with a three instead of an E because this is just a joke about fish oil. Because uh-huh. every Contract Rider's uh-huh. character is a stupid joke until we give them pathos. <laughs> yep. So Doug turns out to be a, a, a lovely man who uh, who gives her some encouragement and talks to her about his philosophy that everyone needs to sort of find their niche in the world. And like he's found his niche as the protector of Elysium's harbour. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. And Hannah is quite cheered up with this. Then she sees that that strange fancy boy who was ranting at her about turning into a bat up on the stage. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh god, what's he doing here? (laughs) And then the fancy boy transforms into the guy who killed Ringo. And Hannah yells, oh, motherfucker! (laughs) That is a Kamen Rider O's reference. Specifically to one set of subtitles. Which did ha- have uh, one of the characters say that in a not particularly accurate, but very funny translation. Gotcha, okay. Yes, Roger gets his uh, his fancy new upgrade, given to him by the common rider, and mm-hmm. and there seems to be like a sort of general discontent in the room. And then a bunch of grasshopper-like humanoid geisters just start uh-huh. bursting into the room from uh-huh. everywhere. And it all turns into a big fight, and most of the riders have to, like, help evacuate civilians, while, of course, the main guys end mm-hmm. up fighting this thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our heroes win, and Hannah ends up standing next to Sean, or mm-hmm. Dolman, and she tells him, Look, you move in these sort of corporate circles. Marianne Chaumet and Roger, I think they murdered Ringo. Can you, like, I don't know, try to look into it? And Sean sort of brushes her off because he doesn't like her very much or particularly trust her. Yet. Yet, yes. And Hannah says, right, well, I tell you to take care of yourself, but that's all you seem to be doing. And then she leaves on her <laughs> on her terrible bike, which is called <laughs> the Flying Rat. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it is held together with a spit and willpower. <laughs> So, after a nice day of killing Geisters with Omega, and mm-hmm. trying to uh, warn Mari, uh, Papillon, about mm-hmm. Roger, though Mari doesn't really have the uh, context for it and assumes that Hannah's just got in some Twitter beef with Roger. <laughs> she uh, gets called up with, by uh, Dolman and Java, who off-screen have um, come to the conclusion of, yes, actually, we do need to do something about Lux, because clearly whatever this is it's nothing good and yeah yeah hannah is very keen on volunteering for an assassination mission oh no java does not want to assassinate anyone yes sean Sean also doesn't particularly want to assassinate anyone but is willing to do so if it comes to that (laughs) the three alignments yes uh sean the enlightened centrist so they go to the warehouse where sean's terrible manager, but who is also an anti-capitalist agitator, Senan Lexley. 
he's um, determined that Marianne mm-hmm. and Lux are going to be there because something big is going down. Yeah. And while Senan tries to like negotiate his way into the facility, and uh-huh. Sean and Parker try to think of a plan, Hannah mm-hmm. revs up her terrible bike and drives it straight into this facility, immediately <laughs> crashing it and destroying it. Crashing the bike or the facility? Oh, the the bike. Oh no, flying. The bike rat, was no. dead. Yes. This like everything immediately uh, goes to hell. Hannah ends up fighting Marianne in the rafters while Roger has an emotional revelation and decides, do you hear the people sing? <laughs> and after this like sort of enormous chaotic fight that's that is being like streamed to the whole world by Marianne. Yeah. It ends up with uh, the common rider who is like ranting, oh, don't you see? Well, this is the only way forward for humanity. We've got to yeah. make things better. And then yeah. Hannah sneaks up behind him, says, you talk too much, and puts one of her swords through his eye. Oh, no. He and Marianne both flee, and Hannah has enough time to see Marianne proclaim, Golgum is going to lead ha- humanity into the Shin Anthropocene before uh, yep. she passes out from exhaustion. I wondered when that was going to come up. <laughs> yep. So for any of our listeners, this is the Carmen uh, Rider Black that I was talking mm-hmm. about earlier. Golgum mm-hmm. are the villainous cult from that series. In the original Carmen Rider Black, they converted these two brothers, Kotaro and Nobuhiko, into cyborgs that they would mm-hmm. then have fight to the death to become the new Century King. One of them would be the Black Sun, and the other was the Shadow Moon. But Black mm-hmm. Sun got away to become Carmen Rider Black. Yeah, yeah. I bring that up for absolutely no reason whatsoever. <laughs> uh, definitely not going to come up later. So, after seeing this, Hannah passes out from exhaustion. And mm-hmm. when she wakes up, she finds that the contract riders are public enemy number one, essentially. And by that, you mean the main characters are public enemy number one, yes, right? Yes, yes. Okay, cool. Not like, not all contract writers. Well, the I don't ones. think uh, it, they've done the reputation of contract writers as a whole any particular favours, but... Yeah, probably But yes, not. It, 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 it's specifically <laughs> the ones who were involved in this big fight. Yeah, yeah. Hannah immediately flips the table and storms out in frustration because she doesn't know how they're meant to succeed when the whole city is against them. Yeah, understandable. Her angry walk takes her down to the waterfront where she sees her, her good her good friend Doug, mm-hmm. who reveals mm-hmm. that he's thrown in his lot with Golgum. No, Doug, no! He believes that human- humanity was never meant to exist in a niche like Elysium, and that by letting the strong survive and take power, they can reclaim the world to live better lives. Hannah... <sighs> not keen on this and specifically yeah. what she says is do you want us to live in a world ruled by Marianne Chaume? Yeah. They end up fighting. There's uh-huh. a there's a bunch of cool stunts. Doug does like a, a water jet powered kick. Yeah. But eventually Hannah wins and knocks Doug out of his transformation. Yeah. Doug asks her, Are you going to fight? And are you going to win? Yeah. Hannah answers yes. And Doug lets her take his belt and and escape before any more Golgum goons show up. Yeah. So Hannah goes home to sleep off her injuries, and upon waking up, Dr. Bob is in her house. Like that one picture of Darkseid. Yeah. Bob is not aligned with Golgum, but he doesn't want Hannah to get killed while fighting them. Not because he cares about her, but because it would screw up his research. Oh no, the worst neutral stance. (laughs) 
yeah, Dr. Bob is also an enlightened centrist. Yeah. Eventually he realises he can't dissuade her from fighting, so instead he clues her into a hidden function of her belt, which is that if you move part of the faceplate of the belt, it's got extra slots for vials of genetic material in mm-hmm. addition to the regular one that she puts her back vial into. Mm-hmm. Now, Doug also used a uh, a gene vial one with uh, piranha and other fish DNA. Okay, I forgot there was piranha DNA in him. Yeah, he, he he's a fish man. Nice. The joke, by the way, of Doug Abe is that <laughs> yeah. he, is, uh, he is Doug Jones, and yes. uh, Abe is spelled A-B-E like, you know, Abe Sapien, uh-huh. who Doug Jones played in Hellboy. Mm-hmm. So... Hannah returns to uh, the cafe Caffeine Kicks, owned by Parker's Aunt Barb, with some new resolve. And on the way back, she uses the uh, water and electricity powers of her new Omega Wyvern form. Yes. Which is combined fish and bat powers to beat up a bunch of Golgum cultists. And before they flee, their leader says, Oh, of course it would be you. The Shadow Moon Prophecy. (sighs) Hannah has no idea what this means. Yeah. Just absolutely no context. Yeah. I have context. It's terrifying. (laughs) Yes. When she gets back, Sean invites her to train with him. Hannah is enthusiastic up until she realises he means working out instead of fighting. (laughs) She doesn't want to lift. She wants to punch. Yes. But Hannah can't actually lift because because of her agonies. So instead, yeah. she sits on uh, Sean's bike while he lifts it <laughs> to act as uh, extra weight for the bench pressing. And Sean, Sean tries to uh, provide her with some words of wisdom, saying that a rider's mask does not protect them from the consequences of their actions. Yeah. And Hannah says, mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> It's at this point that they get a call from Parker and Murray, yeah, who are dealing with one Tyler, 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 who yes. has turned, in fact, turned into a giant monster. Yeah. The gang all go there. They defeat the monster and rescue Tyler, and are horrified mm-hmm. with the fact that they've almost killed a teenager. Yeah. At which point we get what is possibly the best scene in the whole campaign, where Sean says, "Well, it's not that big a deal, is it? I mean, Hannah's a teenager." And Hannah says, "I'm 23." And Sean says, wait, you're, you're my age? And and everybody is, is shocked to discover that Sean is not, in fact, in his 40s. <laughs> it was absolutely the, the scene of time. I love that for them. So with the uh, Elysium-like civic security forces on the way, mm-hmm. the riders yeah. don't particularly want to be there. So Parker shows them a, se- a series of uh, tunnels that take them through a cave under the city, mm-hmm. which Hannah like covertly uses a bit of that old echolocation. Nice. She can't sense the edges of it. Yeah. This cave is really, really big, mm-hmm. and Hannah's not quite sure what that implies. Yeah. But she doesn't have too much time to think of it, because her and Roger's belts start going berserk. Oh, no. Hannah's is chanting... Ba Gesu Bi and Rogers is chanting Boo Sodagi Joe. Oh no. They in the Golgum house now. Uh yes, or hmm. Well. So Tyler has been rescued from being inside this giant goo monster, but mm-hmm. he's still in pretty bad shape. And so despite the fact that uh Hannah had previously attempted to apologize to Maya and said, 
look, I won't drag you into this anymore. I'll stay away and keep you safe. Hannah yeah. ends up calling Maya and saying, look, I'm really sorry, but I need your help. And Maya essentially sets up a, a field hospital in Caffeine Kicks Aww. to try and save his life. Yeah. And Hannah just sort of like drifts around awkwardly because she's not sure what to do or how to yeah. make things less awkward. Yeah. Once uh, Tyler seems to be stable, Hannah sticks her head into where Roger is researching belt ghosts. Uh-huh. Because Sean has accidentally convinced Roger that belt ghosts are a thing. Yeah. Hannah asks Roger, so have you ever heard of something called Shadow Moon? And Roger's belt, in response, goes, Black Sun! Oh no. And Hannah looks at this and says, well, we don't have any time to unpack that right now. <laughs> Parker and Mari, yeah. are, at this point, are both having a very bad time. Parker is yeah. sobbing in their room. Mari is screaming in the bathroom. Hannah has uh, bat senses, so she can hear both of these very clearly. And she is very yeah. uncomfortable. Well, Ty- Tyler and um, Mari's boss, Herman Scrugg, <laughs> whose name is Herman Scrugg, his, uh, has like put out an announcement disavowing contract riders and saying, we think they're dangerous and we will no longer be associating with them. Mm-hmm. So Lux, Hannah, and Mari, specifically not in her Papillon form, again, mm-hmm. listen to the Mari episode for more on that, mm-hmm. go on Scrug Quest to find out who put Scrug <laughs> up to this. Scrug Quest. Yes, this will not be the last Scrug Quest. <laughs> Scrug is unfortunately a recurring character. <laughs> so over the course of uh, Scrug Quest, Hannah beats up a Golgum goon called Zephos, who is espousing the word of the Book of Golgum. <sighs> and she takes his vial, which uses DNA from a horseshoe crab. Ooh, nice. When they have a quiet moment, Hannah, using all of her finely trained empathy skills, goes up to Mari and asks her, Are you, like, good? <laughs> Which causes Mari to burst into laughter, because, no, she is very much not good, but yeah. she thinks that Hannah understands that, and they confront uh, Scrug, manage to get authorization for Mari to transform again, and a cushy mm-hmm. deal for the now-retired Tyler. Yeah. And, um, as everyone's leaving, Hannah goes to Scrug and says, look, you've got these uh, Golgum idiots hanging around. Do you know what the Shadow Moon is? And Scrug says... Oh, sure, it's their warlord, hunter, messiah figure from their sacred texts, Mark Hamill.jpg. Um, <laughs> Hannah nods, and then because Scrug is the worst, she decks him and knocks him out. Good. In, in the aftermath of, of Scrug Quest, mm-hmm. Hannah and Mari had a girls' night. Oh, friends. Yeah, they went to the fair, felt very uncomfortable with the bunch of contract rider and common rider and Omega mascot suits. Yeah. And had some takoyaki as they discussed their issues. Mari yeah. was uh, struggling with the draining experience of putting on the Papillon persona and her guilt over how Tyler's desire to be like Papillon led yeah. him to become a monster. Hannah's got almost the opposite problem. Because she feels like the world is pushing her into being a violent warrior hunter, and she hates how natural that feels. Yeah. But together the two agree to decide 
who they want to be and to not let anyone be that Golgum or Adonis or anyone else take that from them. Good. So Sean's on a uh, leave of absence because for events that happened off screen, listen to the Sean episode for more on that, Hannah ends up asking Parker to help her build a new bike. Aww, friends. Well, I, I say ask. H- Hannah is not good at talking to people, so what actually happened was more like she just sort of stood around for ages, pointedly taking an interest in Parker's bike until Parker got the <laughs> message and went, oh, would you would you like me to help you build a new bike? Aww. And they actually have a, a pretty great time building it together. Good. Hannah asks Parker, maybe your aunt could help us with this, and Parker does not respond to that. Yeah, yeah. But they together, they confront a, a new rider machine, which is is this chunky purple sports bike with yeah. a giant bat skull on the front called, <laughs> and I'm going to build up to this, called the Memento Komori. <laughs> I, love, I love a good pun. They go on a test drive together and are having a lovely time until they realise that firstly they've driven to the uh, the Tyler fight quarry. Oh no. And secondly, that who is there but Mr. Douglas Abbe. Oh no. Yeah, Doug seems like he's perfectly polite. He says, I'm not with Golgam anymore. I think they're a bit too short-sighted. Oh no. And too focused on propping up their own desires rather than looking for a real leader, someone like you. Oh, no. At this point, Parker tells Doug, sorry, your vibes are just rancid. (laughs) Hannah tells Doug to go away. Yeah. And and he obliges and sort of wazzes off into the shadows. Meanwhile, Maui had discovered that her uh, enemy, Rider-turned-giant geister, Jerry, was being held captive by Slador. So gang goes on a rescue mission, and Hannah decides that while the others are trying to bluff their way in, Hannah just decides to go AWOL and cause a distraction. Yeah. This, in- this distraction involves riding her bike up the vertical face of the Salador building, <laughs> because it's a rider bike, and they can do that. Excellent. She ends up fighting an arrogant Golgamite called Onka, who has a tiger and jaguar-based uh, mm-hmm. rider form. She uses uh, her new Zephos Vial form to fight Onka. Yeah. But Onka steals the Zephos Vial to transform into uh, Zephos Onka and proclaims, Behold your new Shadow Moon. Hannah beats her anyway and takes both vials back. And when Onka says, Well, you've won. Why don't you kill me? Hannah tells her, You're not worth it. Ooh, burn. So after this, the gang all head up to Dolman's hometown of Governor, yeah, to investigate the a disease that's called K-Lung, which is the reason that Sean transferred to the city in the first place. And yeah. it's a nasty thing that essentially turns the bodies of people afflicted by it to stone. Quite mm-hmm. unpleasant. While she's up there and they're fighting a monster, Hannah receives some medical attention and discovers that her rider system has been altered so that it cycles the animal DNA and uh, K-stone dust through her system ten times faster than normal. And that is not good, right? (laughs) Who could possibly say? So, 
when they get back from Governor, Parker, who has burned out their augmentations, listen to the Parker yeah. uh, episode for more on that. Yeah. Goes on a little night walk to a uh, caffeine kicks, where mm-hmm. Hitamonji and their aunt Barb reveal that Barb has been collaborating with Golgum in the hope of keeping Parker safe. <sighs> Hannah, who was following, not particularly happy to hear this, and is so no. angry that she slots in the bat vial, the uh, tiger vial, and the horseshoe crab vial, and transforms into Trinity Wyvern, causing her belt to announce Suki Ganobu, or The Moon Rises. Oh no. And, yeah, all this is not very good. She almost kills no. Barb until Parker, using the belt that Hannah took from Omega and assorted other Biorider bits that have shown up. Yeah, yeah. They transform into Biorider Wild and fight and successfully fight Hannah off. During this fight, she does uh, discover that she can remotely summon and command the Memento Komori just by thinking Ooh. about it. Nice. Which is a- another Kamen Rider Black reference because uh, Black could do that with his. Uh, his sentient bike, the Battle Hopper. Nice. Hannah is forced to flee, and having given yeah. in to despair, essentially, she meets up with Doug, who explains to her, because of the way that K-stones work, they react to thought. And that means that when you're in Elysium, essentially, thoughts and beliefs, if they're widespread enough, can become real. Which means that... Yeah. With the way that everyone is becoming convinced of the Golgan prophecy, mm-hmm. it is going to come true. And that means there is going to have to be a Black Sun and a Shadow Moon, and they're going to fight. Yeah. And the only hope for humanity to not completely fall under Marianne's control is for if there's a stronger Shadow Moon who opposes her. And Hannah just starts laughing miserably. Yeah. She's not having a good time. No, I can I can understand why not. <laughs> yes, and this isn't helped by the fact that uh, apparently Marianne also has a backup plan. She's created a uh, a tulpa, a a thought form that's uh, known as the Shadow Moon Presence because oh no. Because Jack is a gamer and he has played much too much Bloodborne. <laughs> And essentially, if nobody proves themselves as strong enough Shadow Moon, this thing is going to come to life and take the role itself. Oh no. So now she's got to. She has to outpace that too. Yep. So Hannah declares, fine. In that case, Marianne Chomet isn't going to survive the night. Oh no. It's the thing where it's like, I'm sad for it to happen because of the effect that it's that it, that it has on the main characters. But also she deserves it. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So Hannah heads back to Soledor, where Marianne has just shoved one of the city council members off the roof and is uh, proclaiming that the, the Gegaru, the, the great game of death, because... Uh, that's the, where the um, Kamen Rider Cougar uh, bits come in, because in yeah. this universe, um, Golgum's beliefs and prophecies are all based on historical records from a tribe called the Grongi, 
who were the villains of Carmen Rider Cougar. Okay, okay. So Hannah once again drives her bike up up the wall of the building, <laughs> ending up on the roof uh, where she she and Marianne start going at it, have a have a big fight, and eventually yeah. they both fall down the a shaft down the middle of the um, building. Now, because of the zeitgeist fields created by the Kingstones, the these thought reactive fields, mm-hmm. Soledor has been like transformed into a essentially a golgum temple by Marianne's belief. But as nope, they don't like that. <laughs> but as they fall, it instead starts changing to reflect Hannah's belief, becoming this, and essentially the facade gets ripped away to reveal this nightmarish, twisted yeah. metal building of. Well, it's essentially just a symbol of everything that has oppressed and hurt Hannah her entire life. <laughs> tear it down, tear it down. Yep. They finally hit the ground in the depths of the enormous cavern underneath the city, Tartarus. Wow. Yeah. And Marianne is injured and still mocking Hannah for the idea that someone like her could be Shadow Moon. So Hannah kills her. Just just stabs her and she Ugh. dies and thereby she d- does this like a, a moment after Roger arrives to try and intervene so yeah. Roger was denied the opportunity to kill his mum which you know yeah. bit, of, bit of a shame he won't get any catharsis yeah no catharsis no closure Han- Hannah doesn't particularly care about Roger getting to kill his mum because she wanted to do it uh, yeah. This isn't enough to stop the Shadow Moon presence from awakening. Hannah tries to kill it herself to solidify herself as the Shadow Moon. Yeah. And she says, when Parker tries to get her to stop, she t- she tells mm-hmm. them, if I don't do this, Marianne wins. But before she can, the Shadow Moon presence kills Senon and then immediately freezes. Because, as discussed in the Dolman episode... Yeah. Senon has been conspiring all along for this moment. He absorbs the Shadow Moon's presence's uh, power to become Ultraman Caesar. Mm. Yeah. Again, I I can't possibly get into it. I can't possibly get into it now. Yeah, it's okay. It's it's on a Dolman episode. (laughs) Yes. So, Senon is the worst. And uh, after Roger stabs him, which does nothing because he's already dead. Senon swans off, uh, leaving Hannah to be furious at the others for not letting her uh, take one for the team. Yeah. She, she's particularly angry at Sean because if if Sean hadn't been there, then Senon also wouldn't have been there and he couldn't have got himself killed and turned into Resurrected. Yeah. Yeah. Sean responds by saying, you're just channeling the anger of a bunch of dead bats crabs and spite and uh tigers you're just being <laughs> you are katie wyvern oh no uh he's which, not wrong yes not 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 undeserved yeah so H- hannah's not having a great time the gang all meets up with uh some of the other riders who have been doing their best to take on golgum the rider yeah. resistance Seafos yeah. comes back and uh Everyone beats him up again because he's, <laughs> he's a scrub who keeps asking for mulligans. And Senon makes this broadcast across the whole dome 
where he declares himself to be the Shadow Moon. And he addresses Hannah specifically <sighs> and saying, by the way, I don't know how you did it, but that bike you made, it's alive. And it's <laughs> and, and it's starving and it's hungry for fruit. For fruit? Okay. Yes, okay. Because, it, because it's a bat and it really wants Aww. fruit. Aww. And, and, and Hannah looks over at her bike yeah. with the bizarre and horrifying revelation that, oh, I accidentally created a living creature. Oh no, I have a dog now. Uh, dog, horse, bat, bike, all, all the same thing, really. Yeah, yeah. While trying to uh, handle this, Hannah and Moe transfer, uh, travel to our mother of Ultra Hospital, where, uh, <laughs> because, um, essentially, the Memento Komori is now a sort of a geister. Jerry yeah. was also a geister and has become, since the events of the escape, he's sort of become this, like, zen nexus of the universe. Okay. Okay. Uh, and has uh, <laughs> apologised to Maui for, for trying to kill her that one time. Well, good. I'm glad to hear it. And Jerry was turned into a monster. So Tyler was also turned into a monster. So is he also now sort of a, a geister? Question mark? So yeah. they So Hannah and Maui go to the hospital to... For, so Maui can, like, sort of check on Tyler. She, uh, yeah, yeah. She, she tells him, uh, get that play of the game. Uh, <laughs> Hannah has no idea what she's talking about. <laughs> Hannah, Hannah, Hannah does not know what a video game is. Um, oh, Hannah. And Hannah is reunited with Maya at where, and apologises yeah. to her for being just terrible to her and yeah. taking advantage of her and everything. Yeah. And Maya gives her a first aid kit and just tells her, "You, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of other people. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, 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 and they hug. Good, good, good. There's, there's another Scrug quest, uh, yeah. where, uh, and she gets contacted once more by Doug. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, she ends up confronting him. Yeah. She expects him to, like, once again try to persuade her to become the Century Queen, but yeah, Doug has just given up. He now thinks that his faith in evolutionary niches was absurd, that humanity is ultimately doomed, and that any attempt to fight it is just going to be prolonging the inevitable and play-acting at heroism. Aww. Hannah, along with uh, Sean and Roger, fight Doug in his new um, coelacanth form, which uh, which is rapidly like turning to stone as they fight. Oh no, turning to stone or K-stone? Uh, tur- turning, turning to stone stone, which is how K-Long works. Gotcha, but, but, okay. But, but, he's, but he's still capable of fighting. And eventually, Hannah decides Doug's description of her as play-acting as at heroism, it might actually be appropriate. Oh, Hannah. Because Sean had told her that the mask she wore wouldn't protect her from her actions. Yeah. But Wyvern wasn't a mask that she picked for herself, it was one that was chosen for her, 
and she had promised mm-hmm. Murray that she would decide who she wanted to be. Yeah. So yeah. she vows to decide what masks she's going to wear. Not a monster, not a martyr, not a century queen. She's going to wear the mask of a hero. And yes, yes. Th- there's a flash of light from in the first aid kit that Maya gave her. And she mm-hmm. pulls out a device called the Dragon Rectifier and uses okay. that to uh, assume her final form. And her belt announces, Transgenesis! Revelation! Wyvern! The Carmen Rider! <laughs> because cause she, cause she's no longer contracted to anyone who seeks to control her. She is now Excellent. a... She is now a true hero, a, a Carmen Rider. Nice. Yeah. And with the help of uh, Lux and Dolman, she beats Doug up, and then, yeah. using one of her new abilities as uh, Shin Wyvern, who is, rather than a bat, themed around a actual wyvern or a dragon, mm-hmm. she uh, uses an evolved form of her, her scream attack to heal his um, his K-Lung, <laughs> to, to revert him back to... A, a normal fleshy human. Yeah. So she's um finally managed to overcome that destructive urge. Yeah. So while the, all this was going on, Senen had released a uh, footage of Hitamonji killing uh, Sawatari, his mentor, because she, as yeah. she, as she had begged him to do in order to protect the city, mm-hmm. the city. So the city's turned against uh, Hitamonji for this. And the gang yeah. goes to Caffeine Kicks to find him, where he's miserably breaking boards with his hands. And he goes on a rant about how parahumans, or Kaizo Ningen, meaning altered humans, and the riders in specific, <coughs> have been set apart from humanity by how they've been altered. And if even if they manage to save the human race, they'll never truly be part of it again. Mm-hmm. And Hannah tells him, "No, that's that's ridiculous. Humans yeah. don't just fit into niches. We keep growing and changing every day. Everything we do alters us. We are mm-hmm. all Kaizo Ningen." <laughs> Which is one of my favorite Hannah lines in the entire campaign, honestly. Nice. So, the next day, Senon arrives to make one more attempt to persuade the our heroes to join him he's he he's a a solipsist who argues that humans human beings connections to each other are ultimately detrimental and painful and he wants to use all the power he has to 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 separate everyone from each other they say no man is an island he wants to make every man an island miss me with that nonsense yeah uh roger who has just got his final form, uh, Lux Platan, through yeah. his uh, through his love for his friends, uh, mm-hmm. is particularly angry with this, and uh, with a giant bayonetta style hand, uh, uppercuts him through the dome. Through the dome. Yep. Where nice. he, he he goes, he goes flying and lands a long way away from that. Unfortunately, because he's an Ultraman, he starts growing enormous as he walks towards the city. So yeah, so everyone's in a bit of trouble. Everyone mm-hmm. gathers to get ready for this final battle. Hannah, yeah. Hannah sort of sequesters herself away in a corner, tending to the memento Kamori. 
because honestly she's terrified yeah not only do they have to kill a man who's already dead but elysium is still dying the giant hole under the city was created through the over extraction mm-hmm. of case stones and they're they're running out of time to actually fix things repair it yeah she feels like as a carmen rider she can't afford to think that way but she doesn't know how else to view the problem and yeah and even if they beat senan what if we just let the world die because we don't like what he has planned because mm. it may be an awful plan but at least he has a plan and roger who she confesses this stuff to tells her yeah i don't have the answers either but if you look at the impossible things that all of us can do these are abilities that we created for ourselves and not ones that were just given to them and roger says Mm -hmm. that he thinks that this is proof that they can make things better on their own terms Mm -hmm. and and hannah Hannah is still kind of uncertain, but she yeah. but she appreciates Roger's attempt to help and <laughs> and uh, agrees to to help with the fight. So final mm-hmm. battle, everyone uses yes, final team, battle. Everyone teams up using these impossible abilities to take down the giant Ultra Senon. Yeah, Senon is so black pilled and angry. And so full of hate towards human existence that he unleashes a wave of K-Lung that threatens to overtake the entire planet. Oh no. But Hannah can cure K-Lung. She can. And by teaming up with her friends and using the power of their bonds to intensify the the ability, Mm -hmm. together they, they sing a single note that ripples out and reverts the effects of Senon's spiteful death cry. Nice. Senon at this point, he barely he barely even exists. He's been like trans he's been reduced to just a sort of concept in the zeitgeist. Yeah. And yeah. and he, he tells them, even if you win, humanity's just going to keep being faced with conflict and grief forever. There will always be a shadow moon. The other riders yeah. say, well, there will always be hum- heroes there to stand up to it. Because, yeah. Hannah adds, human life is more important than even peace and justice. <laughs> and, and, I, and, I, and I swear Jack didn't set me up for that. But, but that, that, is, that is, I think, you could call it a deconstruction and reconstruction of that concept, this entire yeah. campaign. Because yeah. what, what Senan hated was human life the in 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 the jack kirby sense the the existence of free will and connections between people Mm -hmm. and then everyone just kicks senon's senon into non-existence good get out of here yeah Uh, murray hooks up with her roommates tara uh sean goes home uh parker becomes a manager at caffeine kicks which is essentially just (laughs) the same as being a barista at caffeine kicks but it makes them feel better <laughs> Roger uh, goes to therapy and Good. Hannah effectively retires from riding altogether yeah she's she realises how she was coping with her problems wasn't healthy for her mm-hmm. and she just 
tries to get better. Um, yeah. She the effects of her bioride stuff on her medical conditions. It, yeah. It, it, it like helped, but it didn't stop them. And she starts using a wheelchair. She can. She still can walk, but but not easily. And. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. and and she also finally starts wearing glasses because she has for this entire time been as blind as a bat, but refused to admit it. <laughs> oh, honey! And something else interesting happens. Uh, it turns out Elysium isn't the last refuge of humanity. Yes. Outside of the dome, there's the Dutch Free State, the collective Mesoamerican states. And mm-hmm. the Great Lakes Confederacy, and all of them make contact after Senan's actions made them realise, wait, people are alive in Australia? <laughs> the rumour is true. The rumour come out. But not everyone is happy to learn this. Mm-hmm. In particular, a man from the uh, Great Lakes Confederacy, General Howard Hannibal Truman, he, mm-hmm. he sees the... Uh, the K-stones or kin- King-stones or Kin-stones yeah. as a corruptive alien parasite that's turned Elysium into a bunch of mad superhero worshippers. Oh, no. And I mean, can't can't really blame him. Uh, yeah. The, the worship of actual Ultraman, children's television show Ultraman. Yeah. It's like, <sighs> factually... Not incorrect. However, but... I can blame him for the fact that he attacked Roger's wedding in order to force the heroes to <laughs> show him the how to get into Tartarus. Yeah. So now we're into the uh, the movie, the because we structured Contract Riders as a a in the same way as a Carmen Rider show. It lasted one year with uh, forty eight episodes, which is the same number mm-hmm. of episodes as a. Carmen Rider show normally has, and then a, a an epilogue movie. Yeah, so, yeah. So during Truman's attack, Hannah transforms to help fight him off, but in the process she gets quite badly injured, and yeah. she feels really guilty about breaking her promise to Maya to um to take care of herself. And yeah. then when in the aftermath, when Maya is attending to her and trying to fix her up um mm-hmm. Hannah snaps at her over 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 some minor comment about taking care of herself yeah and Maya understandably feeling quite hurt by that yeah tasks Mari with attending to Hannah since she won't be able to do it herself while they're trying to deal with Truman yeah. Hannah uh feels awful because of this, which is which gets even worse when uh it turns out that Sean's time traveling son, uh Agent yeah. Irons, aka Kukulamax, listen mm-hmm. to the Dolman episode for more on what what the heck the deal is there. Yeah. Con- he's wielding a sword containing the resurrected soul of that guy, Senan Lexley. Oh my! Yeah, it it is the Hell Caesar, the uh, yeah, a, a monstrous sword. They journey down into Tartarus, but Hannah's 
anger at herself and the world around her prevents her from transforming into Shin Wyvern. When she tries to transform, it just doesn't work. So oh, and no. and when she tries to pull the dragon rectifier off to transform into her normal base form, uh, she ends up breaking it. Oh no! Now, while this is going on, Truman has uh, got a bit lost in the source, and he's realised he can't destroy the Kinstones without wielding their power, as demanded yeah. by the Cross of Fire, the the source of all Riders' power. The, uh-huh. the, the the thing that determines that a rider must share their power with their enemies. Yeah, yeah. And so he transforms into the mammoth-themed Kamen Rider Vanguard. Okay, okay. Obviously, this doesn't help Hannah feel great about Kamen Ka- Rider being a force for good. Yeah. And even with Aiden's help, Aiden being Aiden or Kukulamax being basically much stronger than any of the other riders because he's got this cool future technology. Vanguard yeah. is wiping the floor with them until Hannah decides I guess this is always how it was going to go but I need to stop pretending and yeah. transforms once again into Trinity Wyvern the, her shadow moon form. Yeah, yeah. This actually works quite well and uh, she does uh, gunch Vanguard, as it were. But um, okay. and in the process, the the Kinstone Gestalt, the the giant uh, gemstone that they were all fighting around, get ejected up in, onto the surface and into the sky. Okay. Hannah detransforms out of misery and tiredness, and um. And Murray has to confront her and go and say, "Look, what 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 is going on with you? What yeah, what what, yeah. what what the heck is your problem? Why are you acting like this?" And Hannah says, "You saw how I treated her. I thought I'd changed, but if I could do something like that to someone I love, have I really changed, or am I just pretending? And yeah. if I am pretending." Why bother to keep doing it? Mm-hmm. Mari says, well, what's the difference between pretending to be a good person and being a good person? And Hannah says, because I was, if I wasn't pretending, maybe I'd, I'd deserve her. Because she has been in love with Maya this entire time. Aww. No, don't, don't, aww. It's, she's been treating Maya terribly because of her well, brain problems. Yeah. <laughs> the 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 awe is at the the the, the moments of self realization. Yeah, all right. Uh, Maui tells her, "Now look, that way of thinking is go- isn't going to help anyone. I've struggled with the same stuff, and you don't get to you don't get to decide how people should or shouldn't treat you." Uh, yeah. And then Maui has to run off to fight Vanguard, who is still causing problems, but mm-hmm. with some encouraging beeps from the Memento Komori, who is who, who is a very good horse, uh, Hannah finds her resolve and transforms mm-hmm. once more into Shin Wyvern, and together they yeah. all beat Vanguard. The, good. Unfortunately, that's not quite the end of it. 
there's no, still a giant there's is. still a giant case stone in the sky in the sky which is yeah. manifesting a belt around the planet earth to transform it into a world of monsters <laughs> okay yes it's it, it it's quite it's quite a um so it's all a bit evangelion um yeah our heroes and aiden all end up astral projecting into the the giant uh kingstone to save the world sure why not they have run-ins with uh people from their pasts like uh Hitamanji, Scrug, Marianne, and Ringo, and eventually they face off against the the Shadow Moon presence once again. The yeah, uh, it's it's much larger in this in this realm of ideas, but uh, and mm-hmm. uh, Aiden doesn't think they can fight it, but then Parker reveals their their true uh, final form: Java, Dolman, Papillon. Uh, Lux and Wyvern are all fused into the f- fusion rider uh, Java Quintessence. <laughs> and with the uh, the power of essentially with the power of friendship they uh, yes. they manage to defeat this uh, idea that there will that there must always be uh, conflict and hatred and uh, shove it back into the darkness where it belongs. <laughs> nice. They're finally returned to the, the physical realm and yeah. where where Hannah is met by Maya and she tries to say I'm sorry for breaking my promise but I don't know I don't know if I can promise to never do it again because if people I care about are putting themselves in harm's way, I don't think I can just stand by and do nothing. Mm-hmm. And Maya tells her, look, if I thought being Wyvern would always be bad for you, I wouldn't have kept patching you up all those times. Yeah. And we can work things out. And and that's that's where Hannah we we, we left Hannah. It's quite an o- open note to end on, but it's one that I'm very happy with. Yeah, it's sometimes it's good to leave things on on yeah. an open ending. Yeah, because in life you don't know how things are going to turn out. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was that was a lot. <laughs> thank, thank you for uh, pu- putting up with that. Yeah, it I it it is a it is a lot. It is also also you clearly have put a lot into Hannah, and so I'm glad that you were able to uh, come on the show today and talk about Hannah. And I have one last question for you today, Jolene. Go ahead. Why do you love Hannah so much? Ugh. Well, if you don't know, <laughs> if, you, if you don't know that by now, um, yeah, there's I, I've I put a lot of myself into Hannah. I I think she's. I don't. I don't know that I always played her exactly how I wanted to, but I think she's. There's a lot of real ideas in her, and and that just makes me really glad that I got the opportunity to play as her and to 
and to play with all the other members of the uh, Contract Riders crew who are all incredibly talented. Yeah. And without their characters to play off, I couldn't have made Hannah what she turned out to be. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Okay, so... Thank you again so much for coming on the show today to talk about Hannah. I loved getting to hear about her. My pleasure. And this is the part of the episode where you get to tell everyone where you would like to be found on the internet if you would like to be found. What things would you like to shout out and or promote? Uh, well, I am Lesbianautica on Twitter. That's uh, with only one N. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am SJ Broadside on DeviantArt, where I've uh, uploaded a load of uh, Contract Riders pixel art and, and designs for characters mm-hmm. in their various forms. Um, mm-hmm. I've, uh, a- a- as we speak, I've just uh, uploaded Dolman's initial forms and KT Dolman. Yeah, yeah, I saw Britain share those a couple days ago. And um, while I don't particularly have uh, anything else to promote... Uh, I have been um, contributing a bit to our Game Master Jack's uh, work on a um, an RPG that is hopefully going to be better than the hastily hacked together cludge that was the com- Contract Riders system. So if you want to find his work and keep up to date, you can find him at mm-hmm. uh, red-requiem.itch.io. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, here's a personal request to anyone who's listening to this. Uh, go to Twitter, tag at RedlineSSB, and say, Jack, go on wayward. <laughs> this is a call-out request. Yes. The Homeway Red OCs is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. We can be found through Acast and on your local podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is Violet by Poddington Bear, courtesy of the Free Music Archives. We can be reached at waywardocpod at gmail.com or at waywardocpod on Twitter. If you would like to talk about Wayward or the other Corner Podcast Network shows, we have our own Discord server. Uh, the invite should be available on our Twitters, and it should be a permanent one. Uh, but if you'd like to join the Discord, uh, feel free to hit up one of the show Twitters and we will get you set up. Uh, and I am always looking for a guest to talk about their original characters Uh, So please feel free to drop me a line if you or someone you know might be interested in talking about their OC on the show. Uh, I do also have a Google form, which is the pinned tweet on the Wayward Twitter account, if you would like to send in your OC through there. It's just got questions about, like, availability and what your character's about, that kind of a thing. And it is always helpful if you can subscribe and review us on your listening platform of choice, because it helps us to find a wider audience and to brighten more people's days. So, thank you all for listening. This has been the Home for Wayward OCs, and we hope you enjoyed your stay. What if Miku had anxiety? <laughs> You mean to tell me that Hatsune Miku is contracting this writer? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do mean (laughs) to tell you that. Did you know iconhas.cheeseburger.com still exists? Oh, I'd rather make that Kathy's homepage by force. (laughs) (laughs) Computer, make that your homepage. Oh, God.
love how everybody's silent now that we've clapped instead of just chilling out. That's, that's... what do you mean? We're I'm chill. We're oh, it's it's chill. Um... <laughs> do you expect okay. us to dance on command? You, what is happening? You, that would be if you could do <laughs> that. I guess, that would be a I guess you know what? I guess one of us is supposed to DM, and like, we just didn't yeah, know. I, wow, yeah. <laughs> who wants to do it? I guess somebody's too tired I, to do I, it today. And and Brandon's over here is like, I don't, I don't know. We're ready to make fun of you at the beginning of the session. All right, I'll take know, over. I'll DM it. I'll DM it. First things oh first. God. Darren dies. <laughs> okay, cool. Sure. Morgan, I knew you would be the first to jump in What's and next? just, okay, no, just actually, stab no, actually, me in the back so the minute. Darren the dies minute. the way that Reg, that Rage comic is. You know the one where, like, oh, meat smokes la weed, throws weed bag in trash, <laughs> hears shatter, le gasp, because he threw the bong in there? That's how Darren dies. I don't know yet. Oh, yeah. I need to, like, get the details straight, but that's how he dies. All right, let's, let's, let's cancel this. Start over with a new DM. Not Morgan. Damn, bitch. The dead okay. silence. The dead silence in response okay. to that is, I think, the scariest part about it. Darkseid's brother comes down. He's cooler than Darkseid in every way. <laughs> He's Dankside? Yeah. He's Dankside. His, name, his name is Darkerside. His name is, is nope. Darksider. No, it's Dankside, and he smokes big, big blunts. Come on, Dankside. Yeah, he's a cool fourth guy. form that's super armored, and he's really underappreciated. And then he comes back. Can you, you please start? Can you please start? Yes, okay. <laughs>